Excellent, excellent. It is so great to be here. What a fabulous service. Aren't these the fun parts of church life? I mean, they're all fun, but like this is like the super fun bit. And it is, um, I think, Brad, you said earlier, you get to say, you're, you're part of the story now of Sale Baptist Church. Remember in 2019 when they appointed that, like, what was their name? Lauren? Yeah, the one that's now like some international superstar pastor. Remember her? We knew her back then. That's what we'll all be saying. We was there then. But it my job, it is my job to essentially just connect with um, churches across the state however I can be to best support them, particularly in the area of generational engagement, generational ministry. And so um, I meet with pastors who are, uh, and key leaders who are working in generation spaces, but I also meet with um, senior leadership of churches who are trying to think and act generationally and trying to get their head around what that looks like. Unfortunately, every now and again, I get called into declining churches and they're like, help, you know, help. What can we do? To, we've got no young people. We've got no you know, life in our church. What do we do? And I said, well, what you do is 10 years ago, you make some better choices, right? So you guys are making a 10 year ahead of yourself um, good choice in terms of the investment you're making here. But somebody described my role as being like a bee where I get to buzz around all the different flowers of our churches across the state and collect a little bit of pollen and then go and visit another one and maybe deposit some pollen and get some new pollen and do some cross-pollinating. And, um, and so I, and I buzz a lot. And it's, it's true. I get to hear great stories. I get to tell great stories, encourage people and be super encouraged to see what God is doing in and around, um, I mean, specifically the Baptist church family, but just his, his bigger picture work here in our state. So that's why I get super excited when churches like yourselves have made the decisions like you have, which is to throw staff resource and leadership focus behind generational ministry, you know, to, to make it a priority for your church and for, you know, more broadly to give some specific energy to see it flourish. Um, so good job again, you guys. I always come and say good job, don't I? But good job. Another pat on the back. I don't know if you're into high-fiving yourself, but you can do that. Like that's okay, a little congratulatory. High five, nice. Um, but sometimes, sometimes, when churches start talking about generational appointments, they start talking about a youth pastor or a kids and families pastor or a young adult, whatever it is they're calling them, sometimes us adults in the church, the older generations, we can get a little concerned that maybe the focus is going to be so strongly on those emerging generations that the older folk in the congregations congregation miss out. Now, I know no one here at Sale, like you wouldn't think like that. I'm talking about the other people in other churches, right? But just in case you are, let me remind you of a really important fact that church in almost all of its, all of its expression is highly adult, highly adult environments. You know, we sit down a lot and you have to be still you know, we face forward in rows. We don't interact necessarily with each other. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of words in church, a lot of words that we speak and have to listen to or that we have to read um, to sing and to participate. There's, as I say, not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of engagement of all the senses. It's mostly look and listen. And, um, and so all of those things make it a highly adult environment. There's a, a newsletter that gets printed or emailed. Again, lots of words. It's to the adults which is how adults know how to turn up to things. And then in your adult ways, you can just get in a car and drive yourself somewhere and even come at nighttime on a school night, you're allowed. You can come out. And there's a lot of adulting that takes place 
in the regular activity of churches. And so the Friday night youth ministry or the Sunday morning kids ministry or whatever it is that we do, in some ways are quite small concessions to finding a way to help younger generations engage um, in an otherwise very grown-up space. But the key thing to remember, and we're going to unpack this a little bit more in our time together today, is that in a family, which is what church is, not it should be like or it could be like, that's what it is, God describes us that way, we are his family, that in any time we give attention or time or energy to one person or one group of people in our family, the whole family benefits, right? Every time we help somebody do better, be better, experience more, we're actually helping everybody in that process, the entire family benefits. Everyone wins when everyone is worried about everyone else and not themselves. And so we look most like a family when we're doing that. And, you know, Scripture's full of all these great sort of picture, word pictures of how that might look. You know, the, we give preference to the body parts that need it most. You know, Paul talks about that, however that expresses itself. And I don't think it's hard to see how younger demographics in our church might need some specific assistance to find their way in faith to get all the help they can, um, they can to, to be postured, to meet and get to know a God who is madly in love with them and who's created them on purpose and who has incredible purpose for them and an in, intimately interested in seeing them flourish in that, in life, in relationship, ministry, mission. So again, super big high five to yourselves and each other for this excellent um, choice that you have made, the posture you have demonstrated of desiring to see the emerging generations here in Sale Baptist and in the community through that thrive in faith and have safe spaces to connect with God and explore life with Him. And this morning, I want to actually just kind of talk more about this whole idea of what it looks like to engage generations into our church family across all of the generations. And I want to start with a really sobering statistic that may come up on the screen behind me. Research out of Canada tells us that only one out of three young people who are growing up in church will sustain faith and church engagement into adulthood. Two out of three will, who have grown up in the church will walk away. Of the two that walk away, one of them will say they no longer have a faith. That's what the statistics tell us. So this is specifically out of Canada statistics in America, um, back, that's an actual word, write it down, um, they, they in America is the same, and then the census data here in Australia tells us exactly the same thing, the NCLS data, that two out of three of those who grow up in church will leave, two out of three. Now, that's, it just numbers, really, and even numbers are alarming, but turn it into some maths, so if you've got 30 young people currently in your kids' ministry, only 10 of them as adults will still be engaged in church. And as a church, that makes us go, and let's bring it down even further. If you've got three kids of your own, the statistics tell us that only one of them will be pursuing faith and church engagement as an adult. That has to sober us, right? That has to ring a bell somewhere, make us a little uneasy because these are real people and real um, loved ones and real lives, real souls, real hearts that, who are not sustaining faith and are not um, remaining engaged in church. Now, 
Various scholars and experts of all different kinds have postulated about why that is and what that means and trying to understand why it's so. And it's true, you know, there's a whole lot of cultural um, shifts and things that, that feed into that. People are growing up in an environment that is decidedly less Christian. You know, the recent, recent census data tells us that the largest religion is non-religious, right? That's the largest um, box that is ticked on their census we referred to often as a post-christian culture whatever that means and in fact um, in some ways there's there's in and in some places there's actual hostility towards things of faith and um, expressions expressions of christianity and so our young people are facing increasing challenge to walk out their faith in god and to live out the this countercultural message that is the message of jesus but we also need to keep this in perspective right because i don't fear uh, this this statistic alarms me but i'm not scared because i don't think we need to that you know we don't need to be afraid that the church is going to die jesus said that he will build his church right he said it thousands of years ago and it continues to be true we've seen it evidence that his church continues to grow even through the worst of historic kind of seasons if you were you know mapping it but he didn't say you know he wants to build a church or he's planning to build a church or one of his ideas was maybe that the church would be great. he said i will build my church and so we can be confident in that he has he is and he will but i think the question that is here for us to ask is what will our portion of the story of the church say what will the story be written that is written about this generation will we be the ones that stewarded a flourishing church you know we the way we we turned around statistics of decline and and saw some great activity of kingdom advancement in our generations and i think that's the the challenge for us you know to take note of what's happening make sure we're adjusting our practices and focuses um, rather than falling to any sense of apathy or complacency or even just our general kind of propensity just to keep doing what we always did because it's just simpler and easier just to keep doing that you know this should kind of shake us out of that in Deut Deuteronomy 6, we see that this is an encouragement that was given to, to in, in ancient times. For thousands of years, this has been the mandate on those who are of faith. And um, all the way back in the time of Moses, Deuteronomy 6, um, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, I love you know, what has brought us here, like brought me down the road at least today, is this challenge that you as a church and, and as leadership are embracing to consider what it means to really follow, you know, this, to have the commands of God on your hearts and to be impressing them on your children. Remembering that children's anyone that's not an adult, right? Impressing them on your children. But this needs to always be front of mind for our churches, you know, as we consider what, what God's asking us to do, and what he's asking us to be, and, and how we're meant to be doing that in the community that he's placed us. Here's a quote that I really love. It's um, by Erwin McManus, a pastor out of the States, and he says that healthy churches reach young people, and young people make churches healthy. 
Healthy people, healthy churches reach young people and young people make churches healthy. It's true. You know, our, our churches that are continuing to grow right across our movement are those who are, have a strong sense of this and they act towards this belief that, you know, the um, young people are focused on, young people are included, healthy churches reach young people. You know, whole families are represented and they're nurtured. Young people genuinely believe that this church is their home. But also having young people as part of our church community makes us more healthy. They have something to contribute to that. You know, they bring that sense of enthusiasm and energy and joy. They cause us to consider the things of God with fresh eyes. You know, to have faith like a child, as Jesus said. You know, if young people are present, it means that a church is actually flourishing and functioning as a family ought to. There's old and young, male and female, this big old mess <laughs> of diversity and experience and personality and all the things that make family just so fun, right? And we need to keep remembering the importance of this because we all need to keep challenging the generational pull, the gravitational pull, sorry, that will make us default to what is easier. If you just leave yourself go, you will always be pulled back to the simplest, easiest, neatest, tidiest kind of safest way of doing something. And the reality is that generations ministry is none of those things. It's not easy. It's not simple. It's not safe. It's not clean. It's not, you know, it's a whole lot of things that it requires of us. It's time consuming. It's costly. It's noisy. It takes up lots of physical space. It's, they need more supervision. They need more assistance. They need more equipment. They need more worry and more potentially, you know, fun things happening in, the, in our church buildings um, at different times. They need space for more experimentation. They need more hashtags and Snapchats and all the glorious things that are part of being young and, and the, the culture that they're part of, the, the funness that's associated with ensuring that these generations get the opportunity to encounter God, to discover Him for themselves. You know, we need to deeply, deeply embed in this truth into our narrative, you know, into our understanding, because as we keep realigning ourselves with this idea that we're, that young people make churches healthy and healthy churches reach young people, the why of genera generations ministry keeps getting energized and encourages us then to persist in it, even if it's going to be difficult. And Lauren is being appointed to lead you in persisting, not to do the persisting on her own. Right? She's been appointed to keep your ear attentive to what's happening in the generational space and to be the representative of you into that area, but not to do it on her own. It requires an entire embrace from you as a community to what's happening, what the opportunities are in, in the youth and young adult space that's going to support her as she leads there. So this scripture from Deuteronomy 6, it probably is a familiar passage to some of you. It's this holistic thing it's talking about, this way of that faith is to be taught and caught and lived out and infused into all of the aspects of life, that it would be repeated, that it would be demonstrated, asserted, affirmed, all those things. And this generational mandate to hand something of significance onto those who are coming after us. But interestingly, the word here for impress, it's a translation of the Hebrew word shanayan, which means to sharpen or prepare. And it's often used um, to refer to a sword. 
to ready it for battle. I don't know about you, but I think I've always thought impress is sort of more about being emphatic about it. Like impress it on your children. Like go, this is really important. You've got to get this. You know, like, no, this is the really, really, really important stuff. I really, really mean it. Like that's, I think, my understanding of impress as I've seen it. But when you look at the, the original understanding of that word, it's actually more than that. And it's this idea that we are to prepare our young people for something that we're meant to sharpen and equip them to have a robust and deeply held faith that will prepare them or and yeah, ready them for faith in a largely faithless world. There's a lot more activity about this impressing than just saying it again and again. <laughs> it's actually doing something with that that's going to be vibrant and active and change something for them. And so some of the research that's captured um, my attention has been done to investigate churches and communities that are kind of bucking this trend of exodus, you know, that are reversing some of those statistics, and churches that are growing across all demographics in the church, and, um, the, you know, those that are sharpening and preparing young people with the precepts and truths of God. And this book here, Growing Young, has been really helpful. It's the, it's the culmination of some research that was done out of Fuller Institute in um, California, the Fuller Youth, sorry, Fuller Seminary, which has the Fuller Youth Institute. And they undertook these really comprehensive studies and interviews and data gathering across churches, all right over the, the breadth of the church expression in America. So there was... Um, the, you know, various denominations, regional and city, you know, large and small, all these sorts of things. But they found a, a common thing of, of churches that were growing, not shrinking, you know, that they, and the title of this book here, Growing Young, is that their first distinctive that they found is that every church that was growing was not growing because they were getting new adults coming to church. They were growing because they were, they were growing in their young um, younger demographics. They were retaining young people in church. They were connecting with families. And so this was the, the core um, premise of their research from then was, okay, so if they're growing and they're connecting, what does that look like? Is there a secret source? You know, is there a magic bullet that all these th uh, churches are doing something that we can learn? And essentially they boiled it down to these six things. There were six key elements or six core commitments that every church that was growing was doing. So they exhibited key chain leadership, which was an intentional way of identifying and developing and deploying young people in, into ministry or even older people. But they had a really specific and purposeful way of doing that. They empathized with young people. Now, this might seem a little obvious because the opposite to empathizing with young people is judging. And so the people in these growing churches, the young people were able to tell stories of feeling like they were, that people sought to understand them, that they empathized with them, that they were ready to journey with them rather than they stood at a distance and judged and said things like, they, they do this. Those youth, they're always on their phone. They always this, they never that. You know, those sorts of arm reach statements that we often make um, that become statements of judgment. But the people who were finding inclusion and connection in churches that were growing young were saying that they felt empathized with by older people. They take Jesus' message seriously, which kind of, again, seems like, oh, I would hope so. You're a church. You're Jesus' church. That's what we do. But what they were saying is the churches that are growing young, younger people were saying that people in my church seem to actually be being transformed by the fact that they know Jesus. 
Like it, their life is actually changing, you know. And so they are words like vulnerability, transparency, people who don't have it all together but are pursuing Jesus. Like this is all came under this heading. They're good neighbours to their communities. Our young people are, are looking, this, this research tells us, are looking for churches that make a difference where they are, that people around them speak positively about the church, that they've been helped by the church, that the church is doing things to actually improve their community by, by being present in it. And that includes the global community. It's a, issues of justice and, and engaging in those sort of more overseas mission-oriented things, but also whether we use disposable cups or not, you know, whether we, how much, what our, um, got, you know, economic, no, what's the word, what's the, environmental, you get a price, um, you know, what our footprint is in those sorts of things, and then they prioritise young, young people and families everywhere, and that's to say that they don't just have programs, they don't just have a kids program and a youth program and say, we're done, they actually, there's a sense that families are welcoming all aspects of our church life, but the final one, and this is the one I just want to leap spend a little bit, a few moments just unpacking for you this morning, is that they fuel a warm community. Essentially, this one is to say that churches that are growing young, churches that are reaching young people, um, recognise that it's the role of the entire church to create an environment that will reach young people. And that where young people are, are welcomed and where young people feel a deep sense of connection and belonging and so then are best position to encounter God and to develop faith in him. So if we were to unpack that a little bit more, none of these findings here tell us anything about, you know, that churches that are growing young have smoke machines. You know, churches that are growing young have some sort of funky something or other going on, some what, you know, and all of those have their, their place. But what it's saying is that the, one of the core indicators for a church that's growing young is the entire church recognizes that it's their job to create an environment where young people feel like they are part of a community. So that's you and whoever you are, that's you. However old you are, whether you're employed or not, whether you're in leadership or not, whether you've got young people or not, that's you. We all get to be part of creating this warm environment. Churches that are growing young recognize that it's an all-in proposition. And you've heard the statement, it takes a village to raise a child, but that's what this research is telling us. It truly does, to raise a child in faith and to sustain a growing church, warm community, a place that feels like home, creates a sense of inclusion for kids, youth, and their families. It's saying, you know, that we do a disservice to our young people if we don't offer them broader connectedness to the wider church family. You know, we do a, a disservice to God's desire and His design for us to be and to be and experience true family if we don't intentionally host and nurture those family connections. So how do we do that? Good question. Glad you asked. What does fueling a warm community look like for you, Sale Baptist Church? What does it require of you individually, in all of you in your different life stages and your different circumstances? And what can you do to create an environment to nurture the faith development of your young people and to function as a healthy church? Well, here's what the research tells us simple project for you all. Research tells us that one of the key markers of faith retention of young people into adulthood is, what do you reckon it is? Have a think in your brain, see if you're going to be right. 
is that they are known by name by five adults. Anyone guess that? No. Yeah. Yeah, you could, Rob, you did the masterclass a couple of weeks ago. You, you get a prize as well. Give him a prize. Um, they are known by name by five adults. Now, obviously, that's not just a tick that off. I know Bob, Frank, Sue, and Barry as if they're going to be young people's names, but you know what I'm saying. Um, they could be. Everything always new again. But what it's, what, because if you know someone's name, you probably know something about them. You've probably had a conversation at some point. You know, you probably know their parents or you know their friend or you know something about them that has caused you to know their name. But when adults use, know and use the names of, of young people, it, help, it means that they feel like this is their place. This is where they belong. This is how they connect. And interestingly enough, it's true in other demographics. Seniors who have been interviewed, they say if they are known by name by other seniors, their, their statement is that they feel like they belong to the seniors ministry of a particular um, context. If they're known by people outside their age group, so younger people, they will say they belong to the church. How's that? Significant shift just by knowing names, just by knowing and using names. That blows my mind, the simplicity of it. And yet, probably some of you would say that's actually still quite a, a challenge. You know, that in our busyness, we come in and out, we don't stop and talk to, I don't have any kids, so I don't know how to connect with other people who have kids. And there's all these blockages that come in the way. But if we were all to take up this mandate, it would be, it would be transformational in your community that you would know people by name. As I said earlier, you know, my part of my job is includes us going around to churches and hearing and sharing great stories. And so amongst them, there are a number of churches that are doing some things really intentionally to activate this in their context. There's a story of a, a church up in the, um, the north of the state. They have a 75-year-old guy who comes every Sunday to church and offers parking lessons out in the car park, takes them out and sets up his cones and does parallel parking with young people who are getting ready to get their license. You know, just a great way of, of relationally connecting. There's a church in the um, inner east and they, they have a program, they call it Gen Links, where they intentionally link older adults with um, their youth and their children. And they do like a, like a child sponsorship card, you know, the photo and some details. And all the adult has to do is commit to praying for them and to knowing and using their name. You know, and but some of the shift, the stories I could tell you about the shifts that have happened in that are, are really exciting. It's the the story of churches where older adults regularly attend the evening service, which may be a little bit more oriented towards youth and young adults, but they just want to be there to support them. You know, it's older adults who serve in kids ministry. That's a significant way that adults get to actually know names and be present in the lives of young um, people, and also to release parents to be engaged in other spaces. It's, you know, the teams of adults who commit to go to camps and cook for, for youth camp or to, to support in those sort of practical ways to drive people to events, all those sorts of things, open their homes, what, however it works. And I know, um, Lauren, you were saying that you guys do that, have done that here before where you encourage families to open their home to host small groups so that there can be some interaction and some engagement. Listen to these quotes from, this is from participants in the Growing Young research. This is the kind of things that they were saying about their church. The first one says, our church is my family. I lost my parents seven years ago and the people who make up that 
the body of the church, they are my family. And that is what I would say to someone about my church. I go to them when I am hurting. I go to them to celebrate the victories. Don't you want your young people here to say that about you, about this collective? Another quote, I cannot emphasize enough that the church has got to be real. It's not about a program. It's about being real. And if you really care about them, they're going to know it. What is often said of the emerging generations is that they have a very highly, finely tuned detector for nonsense, you know, for inauthenticity. And so this thing here is, is such an important part, this keeping it real, being authentic. Another quote, you can relate to people's stories. Everyone has this big heart and wants to be part of your life. They let you know you're loved, someone cares, and you're not an invisible person. How cool is that? I love, I love that these people, when asked, this is what comes to their mind to speak about their church. And this final one here, I visited other churches with my friends and they are really great churches, but I walk in and I feel like nobody even notices that I'm there. And then I kind of feel like I'm sitting in the wrong spot and people are watching me like I don't really belong there. Yeah, you know those seats you have that are your seats? Interesting reflection on that. But I've heard from my friends who come to my church for the first time that they just feel like people really notice that they are here and that they are really wanted here and that's the reason they stay. How cool is that? I love, I think it's so encouraging, but it's also so confronting. You know, repeated are these words, welcoming, belonging, authentic, hospitable. I think there's a slide there. The, the, the top phrase that came out is that they are like family. They are like family. And, I, and the emphasis is on relationships, isn't it? It's people feeling like they're seen, that they're known as individuals, that it matters that they're here that in the messiness of their own life, they'll find other messy people who are willing to hang in with them through that mess and point them to Jesus and model faith in that every day. You know, to sharpen and prepare, as that word means, to impress, to sharpen and prepare them to step into God's plans and into his purposes for their life. So, so we cycle back to that original statistic. You know, we put names and faces of the potential loss it might be to your community and to the kingdom, you know, not to mention for the young people themselves, if they are not to retain faith or they're not to be staying connected to church community, it has to stir us to action, to do something, to, to do all we can to change that statistic so that that would not be the story that's written about Sale Baptist Church in this generation, in your time. And when we look at this, it, it really does paint a very simple picture of the part part we get to play because if Sail Baptist Church is going to be a place where young people flourish and they thrive in faith if it's going to be a community that young people would describe as like family if the words welcoming belonging authentic hospitable caring are going to be used to describe their feeling of being here if this is truly to be described as a warm community if it's going to be a church that continues its strong legacy and impacts the community around it for Christ and as it grows in health and impact, it's going to take everyone playing their part, right? We can't outsource it to Lauren. Lauren, just be hospitable. Um, if you could also be caring, that'd be great. Okay, done, right? It's not down to her because Lauren does this great job of reaching out to people in the community, brings them into the building and no one says hello to them right? 
So you're not going to be able to professionalize it. <laughs> you can't pay someone to be the welcome that we need to be. And you can't programmatize it because, you know, that they're going to be part of how all of this plays out in your community, but it's not going to be the only thing that provides connection and relationship and their sense of family. So who's in? Hey, who's in for making Sale Baptist Church that place of connection and welcome? Anyone? Anyone? All right, stand if you're in because I want to pray for you because you've got a good a job on your hands. Just take a moment in, just in, your, in silence in yourself, just before you and God, just say, God, I want to be part of, of shaping this community to be a place of welcome and connection and belonging. And ask him to place on your heart, you know, a thing, a, a response. It might be that he, a family comes to mind or a ministry or a, a particular person, a, a, a face of a, a younger person, a, a, you know, just something that he's impressing on you, that he wants you to, to respond in, in that way, to, to connect with those people. Just, just seek him, ask him to show you something. Father, it's an incredible thing that we're invited, first and foremost, to be your family, to be the daughters and sons of God, that we get to call you Father, and that that makes us family to one another. God, what an incredible privilege that is. And then also that as part of that, we get, we get to experience it for ourselves, but then we get to express it to others who have had no um, sense of who you are and who are desperately seeking the hope and life and love that is to be found in you. God, that as this community thrives, as families should, as there's relationships of all kinds across all generations, as each one takes up their mandate to be part of shaping a warm community, an inclusive community, a place of belonging and connection for everyone. God, that as each steps into that space, this would be such a, a light to, to this community where you've placed them, God. So many broken, broken people walking the streets of sale, living in, our, in the homes, going to workplaces and schools that are desperately in need of that deep, deep connection that can be found in relationship with you and that is expressed in your people. So God, for each one, stir in their hearts, do, do the work of, of, um, of you know, putting your finger on what needs to shift God, put the, give them a, a sense of, of purpose, of, of, um, of direction in, in terms of how they might respond to this message, this challenge today. And God, we're excited to see the stories, to anticipate the testimonies of those who would say how, how loved they feel by this church, how they feel like it's a place of, of belonging and rest, God how they feel like those people at Sale Baptist love them. They know me. They know my name. I'm welcome there. And we know, God, when, when we can draw them into that place and where we can um, just create a, a sense of peace and, and rest, 
you are just then free to do your work in their life, God, to do that your transforming work. And we wanna be participants in that. So God, I just pray for your blessing on this church. I pray, Lord, as the, this next step of, of the appointment of staff and others that will come after it, God, the focus that, that the church has agreed to have of, of seeing emerging generations encounter you and, and have ways that are um, you're creative and, and targeted towards them to draw them into a, a place where they might encounter you. God, would you bless those ministries and bless Lauren and others who would step into those leadership roles, God. God, would you also bless this whole community that each would take up the mantle to be a place of welcome for all who would come into this space, God. And we ask it in Jesus' name.